but uh, she's our church secretary. I heard about this man. He called the church office and he said, I want to speak to the head hog at the trough. And the secretary was offended. She said, well, if you mean the pastor, you need to call him the pastor. You may not call him the head hog at the trough. He said, well, that's fine, but I was just thinking about making a $10,000 donation to your church. She said, hold on a minute. Porky has just walked in. I couldn't see Miss Kyla doing that. Amen. If you can't laugh, something's wrong with you. You need to laugh. You know, one thing that I uh, disagree with is when someone becomes a Christian. By the way, the Bible does say that we're to be sober-minded, we're to be vigilant, we're to be serious. But the Bible also says that Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. And I hope and pray we can balance that. Now to the serious. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 2. That is the very first book of the Bible. The very word Genesis means the book of beginnings. So everything that really begins is we find beginning in God's word in the book of Genesis. By the way, we realize how God created the earth, the book of beginnings. I believe the account of creation, don't you? I think it takes more faith to believe evolution than just to believe what the Bible teaches. And by the way, this is uh, something that's very calculated in this day. Our folks that are trying to teach our children, many of them are trying to take away the very first common denominator that they have with God. That's creation. When I was a little boy, no one had to tell me. I knew by looking at the rock and the world and the trees and all the beauty, I knew somebody created it. And the Bible says that creation is one of the first witnesses to know that we know there's a God. So now we're living in a day where there are people, and this is organized, of people trying to take away that denominator between a child and his creator. We must be careful. But in the book of Genesis, we find the beginning of light. We find the beginning of mankind, animals. We find the beginning of light and dark. We find the beginning of all of life. We also find something else here, the beginning. We find the beginning of marriage, the beginning of the home, the beginning of a relationship between a man and a wife. We, we believe and we know that God performed the first wedding. We find it here in the book of Genesis chapter 2. Would you read with me verse 20? Actually, let's go on up to verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying of Every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to all the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. 
She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us now as we look into thy word. Teach us, instruct us, challenge us, convict us, comfort us, change us. Well, thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First marriage, one made in heaven. Amen. Can you imagine? Woman was made for man. What a beautiful thing. The Lord creating a woman from the very one rib of a man. And God worked this miracle. And he looked out over all of his creation and everything was good. If you read all the way up through chapter 1, chapter 2, everything he created was good. It 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 was good. But when he came and seen that Adam was alone, he seen all of the animals. and He said, they all have a helpmate. They all have a partner. They all have someone there. But Adam is alone. Here's what he said, that's not good. So think about that, what a blessing that God loved his creation enough to give a man a helpmate, and we know that he instituted the first marriage, and God ordained this marriage, and it was a wonderful union between a man and a woman. The Bible says that he needed a helpmate, that word means completer. By the way, if we're going to have a marriage, it ought to be a happy one, amen? Amen. I'm not of the fact or of the conclusion. I've heard many people say, well, we're just sticking together for the kids. Well, that's not the way God designed it. It's not the way God, that's not his intention. He wants us to have a happy marriage. And by the way, to have a happy marriage, be happily married, that takes a lot of work and it's something that you never stop working at. But marriage is becoming one. That's what the Bible says here. Marriage is becoming one. No longer two, one. The Bible said they were to become one. They were, he said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so when we think about this, we talk about marriage. When you get married, you become one. What? One in body. Well, that's the simple part. That's what everybody, that's what the world wants to talk about, the physical union of a, a man and a woman. By the way, that's a beautiful gift that God gives a man and a woman in marriage. You become one in a physical way. By the way, if that's done outside of marriage, the Bible says that's sin. So we need to understand that we are, when we get married, we become one in body. And by the way, that's a wonderful gift. But not only one in body, but the Bible says we become one in spirit or one in soul. Let me say one in soul. In other words, uh, that's our emotion, our intellect, our will. Uh, we become one. The longer you are married and the longer you desire to get to know your spouse, you know them. So you, what? you become one. I heard someone say the other day, I can tell if something's wrong with my wife. I've been married to her for 50 years. So he said, I already know if something's wrong. Well, how does he know that? Because they become one. By the way, gentlemen, just a little funny tidbit here. If you ever go to your wife, you know something, and you say, what's wrong, honey? And they always say, oh, nothing. Well, then listen to me. They're lying to you. I say, come on now. You ladies laugh a little bit. Y'all know that's true. Oh, nothing, nothing. But there is something. And so I can't, I can't help you. I can't read a mind. I, I can't try to understand unless you tell me what it is. But the longer you're married, sometimes you don't have to ask. 
you already know what it is. But we ought to become one in soul. We become one in spirit. Now, this is the important part because this is where people are most ignorant in. See, we're a three-part being. We're a body. We have a soul. We have a spirit. Our body is what, uh, you know, it, it reacts to the environment around us. We can smell. We can taste. We can touch. We can, we can see. We can hear. That's the senses. That's how we enjoy the world around us. God's given us that gift in the body. That's the gift of intimacy. That's, the, that's becoming one in body. But then the Bible says we become one in the soul. We have a soul. We, 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 we cry. We laugh. Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I'm sad. Uh, that's my intellect. It's how I reason with people. That's my soul. That's how I react and relate to you. But then God has created us a three-part being. We have a body. We have a soul. But we have a spirit. And this is the part of us that God has created that only relates to him. So we realize today we're in a day of where drugs are at an all-time high. We know that there's other things that are at an all-time high. You say, why are people in that? Because they're trying to feel a hole that they'll never feel with those things. Because God has created us with a spirit that there's going to always be an emptiness there until we come into right relationship with Him. That's how God's designed us. That's how God's created us. So when you become married, when you become one, you become one. You're striving to become one in all three of those areas because we're three in one. So we talk about this union. We talk about this marriage, this wonderful thing that God did. By the way, I desire and I hope you desire to know people that are living and happily married and having a wonderful relationship. Now it takes work. How many of y'all ever heard this little phrase, and they lived happily ever after? How many of y'all ever heard that? Y'all seen a story, they lived happily ever after. Y'all know what, okay, there's the message, happily ever after. That's what we wanted, it happily ever after. I, I don't know, I think when, you know, by the way, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they made some mistakes, but I want to tell you something, they died together, they lived happily ever after. It was not because there was not mistakes. There was not because there wasn't sin. We know here pretty shortly that they're going to partake of this fruit that they were not supposed to eat of. And God banned them from the Garden of Eden. And by the way, the moment they sinned, we all sinned. Sin passed upon every man. So we understand they made some mistakes. But by the way, here's what I love about Adam and Eve. They never gave up. You could say of Adam and Eve, they lived happily ever after. Now, my desire is, uh, you say, Pastor, why do you preach home improvement? Well, first of all, can I just be candid with you? Number one, I need the help. I need the help. You say, Pastor, what's another reason? To be fair, I love you and I know you need the help. And number three, I desire for all of us to be happily married. I desire for us to have what God has Wanting to give to us. I want us to live happily ever after. How many of y'all want to live happily ever after? Well, then we're going to have to be on guard of some things. We're going to have to be on some guard for some things because there are some things that we're going to have to watch that's always trying to steal our happily ever after. And I want you to notice the first one's mentioned right here in the passage. Now, Lord, give me wisdom as I speak here. I, I, I want you to know, I want you to know it's verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. By the way, that is an amazing statement to me because Adam and Eve don't have parents. They don't have parents. 
So who's he speaking to here? Well, he's speaking to Adam and Eve, but this is for us. The Bible says that if we're going to have a happily ever after, we're going to maintain our marriage, then one of the things that we're going to have to watch, are y'all ready? Family. Boy, I heard something powerful the other day. It was yesterday. There was a lady, and they were speaking at a marriage retreat, and we were listening coming home, and, and uh, she said, they asked the question, how do you now that your children are older, how do you uh, put, you know, how do you deal with your children that they're grown and old and have their own children? Well, I love what the dad said. He said, well, I'm still their dad. Still their dad. By the way, you'll always be someone's dad and mom no matter how old they get, Amen. But the Bible does say here that we're to leave our father and mother and cleave to each other. So then they asked the wife, and I love what she said. She said, here's what I think we've always tried to do through our whole children. They had five boys. They're all married. They all have children. Here's what she said. I thought it was so wise. She said, we've always wanted to be involved but never intrusive. He said, Pastor, how long have you been in ministry? Over 26 years. Have you ever dealt with marriages and people's relationships that's been strained because of the wrong kind of emphasis with family? Yes. Yes. So I understand the Lord said, all right now, if you're going to get married, here's what has to happen. You have to leave your father and mother, which is hard to do, and cleave to one another. By the way, I've been on both ends of that thing. Many of you have too. Many of you got married, you left your parents, you realized how hard that was, but then also when your children get married and they leave you. It's a very difficult thing. And by the way, I, I hope and pray that God will give us wisdom that will always be involved but not intrusive. Because I have seen in marriages and families that when people are always trying to push their child or bring their children back to them, they're doing a great disservice to their spouse. I think one of the things that we need to learn is two words. Push and pull. Push and pull. Now, Laura and I growing up, or we grew up with our children. We had a child. We were very young when our children were born. And, uh, you know, we, we started to grow in the Lord. We, we got in a good Bible preaching church. We started to grow in the Lord. And we had certain desires how to raise our children. And so I'm going to be honest with you. We, we, we pulled them. We pulled them close. We pulled them. We pulled them to us. We pulled them to the Lord. We pulled them to the church. We, we pulled them to the right kind of people in their life. We were pulled. We did that on purpose. We, we pulled. See, when they get married, you can no longer pull them to you. You've got to start pushing. Amen. If we're going to be right with what the Bible says, we've got to start pushing. We've got to help them to leave their mother and father and cleave unto one another. And by the way, I heard some wise counsel on this years ago. I thought of all these young ladies that are marrying these guys, and boy, all of a sudden, they just want that boy to just absolutely have nothing to do with their mother. You're foolish. You're foolish to feel that way. Here's why. You have to understand, that woman is the only woman that they truly know they can trust. That mother has proved herself to them and now he's getting in a relationship with someone he loves you and he knows you but to be fair 
Have you proven yourself yet? So there needs to be some grace there. Can I get a witness? I feel like I'm on an island. This, this is wise. I hope every young lady's listening to me. Because I've seen this become an issue right off the bat. They, they, all they want is they want everything with their family. They, they want everything with their family. By the way, I've seen boys. They want everything with their family. And what they do is they completely ignore the other one's family. Listen to me. It's going to be some serious problems. So what do you do? Here it is. Y'all ready? Be fair. You say, Pastor, how do you know this is an issue? I talked to a man years ago. He was in his 60s, and he made comment to Laura and I. He said, well, I'll tell you right now, we've always went to my wife's family for the holidays. And boy, the minute I heard it, I said, man, that shocked me that it came from him. And the way he said it, I knew it was a problem. Be fair. Why? The Bible says... Family, if not dealt with properly, can be a great strain on your marriage. That's why God said, you leave them. It doesn't mean you're like, see ya. See ya. No. It, it's, it's an attitude that, look, if you're choosing to marry, you're saying, hey, I'm going with this one. She or he is who I'm going to stick with, thick or thin. We're going to be together. We're going to be one. We're not going to let anyone, including our family, come between us. And let me just say this. If you have a wise family, they'll never have a desire to come between you. Push and pull. A boy wants Kaylee. And I knew, we knew that Josh was in. And by the way, that's tough, man, being a dad. You've been the protector. You've been the provider. And all of a sudden, you're going to give someone else the opportunity to do that for your daughter. That's a, all you men that's done it. That's tough stuff, isn't it? But you've got to trust the Lord in it. And I've got to rest in the Lord. And by the way, it, it, it's helpful when you see him doing it. It's helpful when you see your son-in-law loving your daughter and man taking care of her and, and helping her. I mean, they called yesterday and I'm like, man, I get convicted around Josh. I don't like that part of it. Josh spent their whole day Saturday. Kaylee wanted some furniture painted and, and some things. And man, who what? Josh and her did it together. And I'm like, Ooh. And they were happy. They were enjoyed. And I was like, ooh. Family, quickly now, we're going to hurry. I'm just giving you, y'all want, how many of y'all want to live happily ever after? You got to watch your family. You got to keep that thing right. That means sometimes a son has to go lovingly talk to his parents. And I said lovingly. Say, listen, I know you love me. This is tough for all of us. But look, I've married her. And lovingly, I just want you, y'all got to back off. I, I told Josh, look, he's young. Is he going to make some mistakes? Sure he is. And I, I'm gonna, I, I got to be careful because, man, yeah, we have all these ideas, all these things, and I've learned things. But you know what I thought about this? Y'all know what? I got mad when Mason come and told me stuff. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So that's fair. If I become a husband and I'm a leader of my home, then we gotta, we got to lead the home. And that means grandpa and dad needs to stay out of it unless they're asked. Now, something else that was helpful to me as we heard this message uh, uh, yesterday, 
Here's what he said, and it encouraged me. He said, now listen, I'm their dad. He said, I'll always be their dad. But he said, here it is. He said, when I, he said, I always feel the responsibility, though, that if my sons are getting ready, they're making some decisions, and I feel like they're getting ready to hit the wall. Here's, Here's what he said. He said, I still, it's my responsibility to try to warn them. But he said, they might not listen, but for me, I had to at least warn. But the key there was, he said, but you know what? It might, not, it might not change, but at least we warned. So here's what I'm saying to both folks. I'm dealing with everyone involved here. If you're a grandma or grandpa, if your children are married, then this is wise counsel for you. If you're getting ready to get married, this is wise counsel for you. Start out right. Don't allow these relationships to cause problems in your home because God says you must choose one another. You're, you're forsaking all others. And that doesn't mean that you're, you're not being respectful and, and honoring of your parents. You're going to do that the rest of your life. But you're choosing one another. That's what marriage is, becoming one. So we got to be careful with family. Number two, quickly now, finances. Y'all stay with me. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all my what? Need, not your greed. Now listen, I've seen this time and time again. Finances has caused the greatest strain. You know what the Bible says? Be content. Be content. I've seen people, all they want to do is is spend all their time, and they say, well, we got to have this, we got to have that. I've even seen people, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with this, so please, I'm just saying, I've seen it in the past. They put all their stock in a house or they've put all their stock in something they can own and then what good is your house, that building, if you don't have anybody to spend it with? So a house is never the goal. Attaining things are never the goal. But listen to me now. you got to be careful because we live in a world of where we want, we want. So what do we do? We go out and we impulse buy and we buy and we buy and we buy and then paydays later. And the next thing you know, man, that man is spending 60, 70, 80 hours a week working and he's not spending time with his family. And by the way, I'm for work. Don't come away from this service and say, well, I'll tell you right now, pastor, don't believe. No, I believe in work. And the Bible says if a man don't work, he don't eat. He's worse than an infidel. Can I say to every husband here, you better balance your time. Those things aren't important if you don't have your wife to share them with. Those things aren't important if you you have to go home to an empty one. Listen to me, I'm telling you, finances are something that we can get caught up in. We can want to buy, we can have, we can want. By the way, we've got to be careful there. I've seen that ruin of many marriages. Here's the word, be content. Impulse buying, credit card debt, strange your marriage. Can I get a witness? But can I give you another one for this? Here it is, y'all ready? But tithing is good. Bible says if you tithe, God will bless. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So we ought to have our finances in order. We ought to be rich towards God. And by the way, I'm not against having things, amen? I've thought for years, I'm going to buy me a boat and I'm going to put down the side of it visitation. And then when they say, where's pastor? Oh, he's on visitation. 
That'd be good, wouldn't it? I can tell some of you didn't like that. I do. You say, well, Pastor, I just believe you're preaching. Nobody will be happy. No, I love things. I, I, y'all know what? I bought a pair of boots yesterday. Y'all ready? It was Thursday, wasn't it? Man, I got a pair. These are boots that were normally over $100. I got them on sale. Are y'all ready? And don't nobody covet. But they're snake proof, and that, that's needed down here. I got them for $27. When I walked out of that store, and by the way, when we got up to the cash register, she wasn't going to give me the full price. And my wife said, no, wait a minute now. That said back there, you take 50% off of that. She had to get the manager over, and sure enough, boy, 27 I was like, man, I, I've been excited about that all week. <laughs> now I can walk in them spring woods and not worry about them rattlesnakes. So I like things, but I'm just saying we have to be careful. Quickly, already, here's another one. They're all, they're all with the letter F. Family, finances, here's the other, fighting. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now listen to me. Peace don't happen. When you get two people that's been raised two different ways, they got two different likes, they got two different dislikes, and you put that in one house. Come on now. Well, I just thought we'd never fight. Well, you ain't alive. What rock have you been hiding under? You put two people that's been trained two different ways, they think different ways, they like different things, they dislike different things, and you put them in the house and say, Oh, I just thought this was going to be so peaceful. What rock did you crawl out from under? Now I'm going to tell you right now, peace don't just, Oh, I'm married, he's a dreamboat. Oh, I'm married. Oh, she's so sweet. She's so wonderful. And then the first thing that hits your house like a storm, next thing you know, who's she? Who's he? And what happens is we have these unrealistic expectations. We think we're never, but here it is. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. You say, why is that so important? Because if you're going to have peace, you have to make it. It don't just happen. So fighting is extremely difficult. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. You got to make peace. Fighting and fussing. Y'all ready for this? Fighting and fussing has never accomplished anything. You tell me the last time you got in an argument with somebody and you said, yeah, got them, how that really helped. There's never been an argument, a fight and a fuss where people are raising their boys and just trying to trump one another. Listen, that's ever accomplished, but I'll tell you the difference. When someone has had a disagreement or something in their home, when they can sit wisely and discuss it and talk about it, that's when things are fixed. So here's the problem. Say, blessed are the peacemakers. You've got to make peace. You know what that means? That means even when you want to fight and get the last word, you need to be quiet. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I'm going to give you a personal illustration. Normally, we're pretty good at that, especially growing up in our home. But there was one Christmas. My children can elude to this Christmas today we had to visit 50,000 people on Christmas Eve. Can somebody give me a witness? 
And by the way, I would tone that down too and just let people know, look, we can't visit everybody. We'll do that in time and we'll maybe spread that out. But we felt like we had to do it all one night. And by 10 o'clock at night, we're making our last stop. And oh, oh, oh. I can't even remember exactly what it was, but it had to do with the way I parked or the way I didn't park. And I mean, it went from there. We went in, met with my grandma, waiting. All we were doing was biding time to get back in that car and to commence our conversation. So we get in our car, and we had to drive all the way to Lewisburg, West Virginia, which was about 40 minutes from where we were. And I'm telling you all right now, it was steamy. My two children were in the back. They were crying. They were hollering. They were like, please, y'all are ruining our Christmas. Please, Mommy, Daddy. And I looked at them, and this is awful. This is awful. I looked at both of my children, and I said, Clay and Kaylee, I just want y'all to know, usually Daddy's really good. He just wants to stop. But I said, I'm ready to fight tonight. And so we did. Till finally, y'all know what broke our hearts? Everything got quiet. Clay had a little old room up there, kind of had a steps, there was a loft up there, and everybody was quiet. They done pled with us, they done cried with us, but everything done got quiet. And Laura and I weren't quiet, but finally we realized, what's the kids doing? We walk upstairs, and they're both upstairs on his bed praying for mommy and daddy. Broke us. Guess what? The argument stopped. And if you was to tell, ask me today what we, really could, what we were really fighting about, to be fair with you, I really don't know. It was something about parking. But listen to me. In the light of things, does it really matter? Some of the silly, stupid stuff we fight over. And we say things in anger that we can't ever take back. Blessed are the peacemakers. Finances, family, fighting. Here's a big one. Forgetting. How many of y'all want to live happily ever after? Well, there better be some things you don't forget. Y'all ready? You better never forget your spouse. Oh, pastor, I never do it. See it all the time. I see it all the time. Now, gentlemen, I love you. I is one. I'm a man, and I've seen something through the years that bothered me. To be fair, I did it. But I've noticed something about these young men. When they get married, and when I got married, I loved the thought of being married, but I wanted everything and being married. But here's the thing. When a woman gets married, guess what? Here's what we don't understand. They actually want us. You know what else? They want to spend every minute with us. How many of y'all know that? I mean, when they get married, they view our home different than a hotel that we just sleep there together. They really want you to choose them. But you know, as a young man, here's what we want. We get married and here's what we do. We put everything else and we do everything else and she, here's what happens. She kind of gets put over here on the back burner. Amen. 
And what happens, what really happens, we just start forgetting. And by the way, that's just not men. That could be women too. By the way, here's the key. We should never forget our spouses. Our spouses is who we married. Our spouses is who we said are going to be our helpmeet. Our spouses is someone. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Likewise, ye husband, dwell with them according to knowledge. Do you know the only way that you can live with your wife according to knowledge? You know what that means? Do you really know her? And you know what? To really know her, what do you got to do? You got to spend time with her. You got to talk to her. You got to do things with her. You got to choose her. So gentlemen, every once in a while when someone says, hey man, let's go hunting or hey man, let's go fishing or hey man, before we say yes quickly, say, well, what have I done with my wife recently? Now, I'm not preaching because I'm an expert at this. I'm telling you right now, it's something that all of us can do. And the people that we love the most and we have the most confidence, sometimes those are the ones that we take advantage of. Can I give you all uh, just a real quick explanation of that or an illustration? Years ago, and, and I, I have to bring this up, I miss and love Roy Brackett. Years ago, Brother Roy Brackett, I didn't understand it, didn't know it, but Brother Roy, there's something happened there, and I didn't know because I have the utmost, I have the utmost confidence in Roy Brackett. And so uh, one day, Brother Milford White walks up to me, and he says, uh, Pastor, he said, I think you need to go and say something to Roy Brackett. I said, why? What, what's wrong? He says, well, he thinks you're upset with him. I said, well, why? He said, because you ain't been saying much to him. You haven't been talking to him much. I thought, oh, my dear soul. I said, that's not it at all. I said, things are just busy. And, and to be fair, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I never thought about that with Roy Brockett. I said, man, I got the, all the world of confidence in the world in Roy Brockett. Now, I'm teaching y'all something to help anybody else think like this. Now, I'm not saying it's right, but sometimes the people you have the most confidence in, you know what? You kind of neglect them. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you have confidence in those people, so you really don't think you got to put that in there. So you're looking at other things that you're trying to put in. And by the way, a lot of times that happens in our marriage. It ha- Oh, she'll be all right. Oh, he'll be all right. And so what we do, we just kind of live and do life. And next thing you know, we've forgotten. And so by the way, I did. I went up to Brother Roy. And here's what bothered me. I looked at him and I said, Brother Roy, you know what breaks my heart? For one second, you felt that way because I never felt that way towards you. You know what I learned? Even if you do have confidence in them, you ought to always, you ought to always never forget people, especially our family. Forgetting. It's a real issue. How many of y'all want to live happily ever after? To keep your finances right, keep your fighting right, keep your family right. Keep your forgetting right. If anybody's going to be forgotten, it don't need to be your spouse. If anybody else needs their feelings hurt, and by the way, I'm not for anybody's feelings getting hurt, but if somebody's going to get their feelings hurt, it ought not be your spouse. Another point, I was at a place one day, and uh, there was a bunch of these guys, man, they were playing basketball, and Laura and I had went out, and we went and ate, we stopped by the church, and all these guys was playing basketball in the gym. I mean, they were sweaty, I mean... <laughs> You could walk in there and just tell, man, they've been playing a really good game. I mean, they were just sweaty and stinky. 
And one of them guys come up to me and said, hey, be a man. You going to stay and play with us tonight? And I was like, no, man, I'm going, I'm going home with my wife. And they look, oh, come on, be a man. I said, oh, I'm going to be. I said, that's why I'm going home with my wife. I said, do you honestly think that I would rather stand around here with you bunch of sweaty men or go home and maybe sit and watch TV with my wife? I mean, that's a no-brainer. And I'll never forget it. That guy came to me years later, and he said, boy, you told me something so wise there, but he said, I didn't catch it. Forgetting, and then can I say quickly, last you save the best for last. Psalm 127.1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. We've talked about fighting, we've talked about forgetting, we've talked about finances, we've talked about family, but what about faith? Every marriage gets in trouble when faith is not where it should be. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, they watch in vain. They watch in vain. It's the most important. If you miss everything else that was said today, don't miss this. Can I say to every husband here just a minute, you can try to love your wife the best way you know how to love her. You'll never love her unless Jesus is in your proper place. You can try. And by the way, I commend you for trying, but let me just help you with that. You get your relationship with Jesus right, you'll love your wife right. And some of you ladies, I want you ladies to listen to me. Some of you are okay with him loving you. I want everybody to listen to me. Some ladies are okay with them loving them the way they are. I'm going to tell you something. And If you're stifling their spiritual growth, you're a fool. Every lady here should be talking to their husband and say, babe, we need to get to church tonight. Hey, 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 baby, we, we, need, to, we need to go on that marriage retreat. I, I mean, you ought to be a cheerleader. Give me a C. Give me an H. Give me an R. Give me an I. Give me an F. How many of you ladies cheerleaded in high school? Would you raise your hand? Well, you need to do it in your house. Oh, my husband, he's so good to me. He buys me all this stuff. That is, by the way, he should. But that is a cheap substitute for him being a man of God. That's cheap substitute. You don't want a man that's going to give you his best. You ought to have a man that is doing his best in Jesus this faith, this relationship that we have with the Lord motivates us to love properly, not just as the world. Here's what so many ladies today, they just settle. They just settle and say, well, that's the best I'm going to get. Now listen to me. You let Jesus get in there. I'm going to tell you something right now. They'll love you. You'll never have to doubt their love. When Jesus gets in there, you'll never have to doubt their love. Even in their mistakes, they will respond. They'll try to respond in a godly way. Listen to me now. Faith, if you miss anything else, let me say this. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day you need to meet him. You say, Pastor Mark, how do I meet Jesus? By faith. He doesn't come walking down this aisle. But by faith, you know in your heart, and by the way, if you're lost, you know it. There's this unsettledness here. 
There's this unsettledness. There's just, you don't have peace about it. You, you don't know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven. And see, that's the Holy Spirit stirring all that up to try to get you to the place to say, man, I need to do something about this. And here's what you need to do. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior. You need to repent of your sin. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God convict you and just say yes. Say, Lord, I want to trust you as my personal Savior. I'm asking you to save me. And I'm going to tell you something right now. He'll save you that moment. You'll become a child of the King because that faith becomes righteousness and God's way of salvation is through faith. It's not by works. It's not by baptism. It's by faith. So you say, Pastor Mark, I want to live happily ever after. Well, make sure you have Jesus. Make sure you have Jesus. Make sure you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, well, I want to live happily ever. All right. If you say, well, I know Jesus, well, here, how close are you to him? Is your relationship with him sweet? Is it right? Because, by the way, he'll help us with all these things. He'll help us with our fighting. He'll help us with our finances. He'll help us with our forgetting. He'll help us with our family. See, our faith, our relationship with Jesus, that flows into every part of our life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Thank the Lord for his love for us. Y'all want to live happily ever after? Simple, simple, simple things. Right here in his word, but faith. Accept the Lord, build the house, you labor in vain. Build it. Storms are going to come. Heartaches are going to come. Hurts are going to come. I said to someone the other day, I said, look, you're going to have to deal with those things the rest of your life. We live in a sin-cursed world. But boy, I'll tell you right now, it's so much more helpful to have the one to help us through them. Do you know him this morning? I hope every husband will examine your heart. So the Bible says you're the leader. You're the leader. Whether you want to think you are or not, you're the leader. God's ordained it that way. And I hope and pray that we have men here that love Jesus. Examine your heart and let God speak to you. Every lady here this morning, would you examine your heart? You don't have to come clean with me. Why don't you just go to him and say, Lord, help me, whatever it might be. Now, remember what I said at the beginning? How many of you think we've heard truth today? What are we going to do with it? That's the question. With head bowed, eyes closed. Can I ask you? You be honest. You say, Pastor, I'm here today. I know 100% for sure. I'm not bragging about it. I don't even deserve it. But I know I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I know I'm saved and I thank God for it. How many of you say, that's me? I know that. That's a blessing. Would you raise your hand? Would you? That's a blessing. I'm glad to know that. But can I ask you this question this morning? You say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Now listen to me. I'm not going to embarrass you. And by the way, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. 
But you say, that's me, Pastor. I'm the only one looking. You say, would you please pray for me? Is anyone like that this morning? You say, Pastor, I don't know for sure. If I die, I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Would you just slip your hand up? Anyone like that? Would everyone stand to their feet just a moment? Would you be honest? How many of you know the Lord spoke to you about something this morning? With head bowed, eyes closed. You know the Lord spoke to you about something. Would you just slip your hand up and say, boy, he spoke to me about something. Would you ask God to help you? They're going to begin to play. Would you ask God to help you? Maybe make your pew a place to pray. You want to come here to the altar, you can. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your word. I pray you'll help us. Lord, there's no one perfect. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect Christian. But Lord, we know that you're perfect. So I pray you'll help us to be more like you. Lord, if there's someone here this morning they do not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to convict them throughout the day. And Lord, I'd even pray that you would not let them have any peace till they get it settled. Lord, I pray you'll strengthen all of our relationships. I thank you for what you'll do. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't miss it.